So hello, Mr. Allen. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Uh, we're, we're working busy. We've just had a fantastic rehearsal for yeah. the Edinburgh version of Year About Summer. Yeah. One of the shows we're taking out to Edinburgh Fringe this year. Yeah. We've got a lovely episode for uh, listeners. Yes. This is our June Cast Iron Theatre Podcast live with Sammy Stone. Recorded live at the Suite at the Welly, the Duke of Wellington pub at, um, I say at, it's in, in Brighton, just mm-hmm. down the road from Brighton train station. Mm. It's a, a lovely gig, a lovely podcast, and uh, we talk about all manner of things. Yeah, creativity, um, stand-up, the difference between one-woman show or, do we say, a solo show. Yeah. Um, words, we talk about words, the Lots nature of words, of words. Yeah. Um, the reduction of words over time in dictionaries, um, and it's also co-hosted by uh, Yvette May. Yes, Double Plus year. Good. Double plus good, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Double plus good. Well, I, I can explain it to you, but then it'll sound horrific like mansplaining. No, no, uh, no. If I don't know, then it's totally fine, I think. Um, That's just explaining. You were speaking about the reduction of... being a man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were talking about the reduction of words. Yeah. And um, sometimes uh, phraseologies and sentences can get reduced right down. So rather than um, something being a bad policy <laughs> yeah. and that we should uh, ignore this because the uh, opposition don't know what they're talking about, it is, um, it is not good. Or double plus, ungood. And it's a, a George Orwell reference. Oh, nineteen eighty four, you do know. I do. I just didn't I didn't know. So the sound in the background yeah. that you may be hearing, we've got a couple of uh, guests staying from with Pop us. Pop Heart Productions. From Pop Heart Productions. They are uh the Pop Heart Production uh mascots. Yeah. We've got Two delightful guinea pigs that are almost silent except for when we record yeah. the introduction to our podcast. They turned up in a rehearsal, um, in the middle of a year about summer rehearsal this week. Mm. I uh, warned the cast that they uh, would have an audience. <laughs> I warned them that they would have um, a, an audience of guinea pigs. And somebody else had to qualify, you in fact, had to qualify that and actually explain <laughs> that I meant actual, actual guinea pigs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, they are usually very, very quiet, except yeah. now uh, the guinea pig, Ginger Baker, yeah. um, has decided to take the opportunity to have a really loud drink of his water. Yeah. So we, we, we should let, let, let him get to it and listen to the podcast. He's going to have a listen as well. Okay. He's a big fan. See you in a minute. Bye. I'm Andrew Allen. Yvette May. And we're at the Sweet at the Welly, Sweet Venues at the Duke of Wellington for this episode of the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. That's pretty impressive. I gave you no prep as to the fact that I was going to uh, ask you. There's some <laughs> affirmation and applause there, and just that was enough. Uh, that, that's like a, the what the universal language of affirm me, yeah. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to do it a second time. Uh, our guest tonight uh, is a local stand-up and storyteller, and we're going to get to the stage straight away. Please welcome to the stage, Sammy Stone. Thank you, Cam. Hello, Sammy, how are you? I'm very well, 
Well, I'm apart from very hay fever, so I'm going to try not to snivel too much. How does hay fever uh, manifest itself for you? Oh, eyes that feel like they've been rolled in chilli powder and put oh. back in their sockets. Oh, no. Mm. And this glorious husky voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, what works better for you, a husky voice or a not husky voice? Well, you know, I can milk the husky voice. Yeah. It's a lot more interesting yeah. than I yeah. am. So that's quite good. Yeah. <laughs> Audio experience. Because uh, how, how, uh, I'm quite intrigued by it. I'm just sort of seeking to grab all these sort of things. How does one sound more interesting than they are? Well, I think Sammy said it. Husky yeah. voice, yeah. right? I mean, or if you have a really cool accent. Oh, yeah, that's always a good yeah. one. Oh, what's the cool accents these days? Northern Irish accent. Yes, I was going to say Irish. That makes you pretty interesting. Yeah. 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 Especially if it's accompanied by flocks of curly dark hair. Oh, Mm. flocks of curly dark hair. (laughs) And twinkling eyes. Twinkling eyes. (laughs) We're liking the um, twinkling eyes, flocks of curly dark hair, and Northern Irish accent. (laughs) All of which seems sexy nowadays, but about 1978 would have been just uh, not welcome or encouraged at all. we found our first edit of the evening. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you want to keep that in, it doesn't matter anyway. If you want to keep it in, you may want to acknowledge your own Irish heritage. I do. <laughs> I do have a bit of Irish heritage in me, but somewhat no ironically, way. <laughs> you, you do that mock sort of surprise thing. But I do an appalling Irish accent. Yeah, so, appall- so appalling that I'm not going to respond <laughs> to that challenge. Um, uh, Sammy, how was your fringe? It was brilliant. It was. I really, really loved it very much. Largely because I was pleased with myself um, <laughs> for having written the show, yeah. learned it, and um, finally, you know, getting it into a well-rounded uh, shape that I was pleased with. Tell me what the uh, tell us what the what the show was. Uh, the show uh, was Slipskin, um, which is my second uh, solo hour show, and it's been in the pre-production stages for about six months but you know I do that thing like probably all artists do where it's really the last month where you actually really kind of work extremely hard (laughs) trying to cover the ground that you were supposed to be doing in the the first initial five months and that is how I work I don't know if that's I don't know if that is how everyone uh, works here uh, creatively but because people so uh, someone said to me once I was like that's okay you work well under pressure yeah I'm like, no, I, I work under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's well. But no, I was really pleased with this, um, uh, bringing this concept to life and, and, and being, because I'm that harshest critic and I was really thrilled with Slipskin. So yeah, I would say that it went very well for me. Thank you. Uh, do, you do you give yourself, um, if, uh, Sammy, do you give yourself uh, false deadlines to sort of like engender that sort of sense or, or do you just leave it up to the last minute anyway? My deadlines are always scaled because, of course, when you conceive a show, you're not just writing it, you're producing it, you're directing it, you're editing it, you're writing the press releases, you're contacting, you're doing, you're doing everything, you're, you're flyering. So uh, different deadlines for different tasks. How's it for you, then? The same. I also try and start quite early in the process because if I don't believe in what I've made or I'm feeling like it's not quite clicking... I don't want to do any of the marketing or the flyering because I'm just like, I don't want people to come and see this if it's rubbish. Yeah. So yeah, there's absolutely. kind of a balance of like feeling like you want to have something and then be like, oh, well, at least there's some good bits in it now and I can start saying, oh, you should come and see this to people because, yeah. but that's a difficult thing to strike and have, yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. And, and uh, 
in that is there a sense that you will start out with the good bits and go oh, oh that's a banker that, that's a, a scene or a gag that I, I can work for I'll work on that and then do the bridging scenes or dialogue in between those or is it a bit more sequential than that for me personally I've usually got some idea of the sort of trajectory if you like um, and there'll be some existing bits that I know that work that I'll have already written and I'll have already previewed maybe in a kind of club circuit situation. Uh, and then, yeah, it is about sort of sewing, stitching together. But because mine's... Slip skin is very much stand-up and storytelling. I mean, it's gag-heavy, there's lots of laughs, uh, but it has got that classic 45-minute fringe trope yeah. of, you know, there being an emotional flashpoint. Yeah. Um, and then it's my job to bring everyone back yeah. um, and give them permission to laugh again. It, ha- it has got that in it. Um, so it's very much a story, and I wanted it to be fluid, and, I, and it ended up being, like I said, I was really, really pleased with it. So um, we probably should ask the question, although you, you talk about it um, in your promo, uh, about what a, a slipskin actually is. Okay, so it was a word that I sort of invented, although if you do go rummaging in the dictionary, you will find that it is a type of wine grape. Um, but I don't drink. <laughs> so I have no need for the, that definition of it. And that's my sort of slightly snarky way of saying um, I don't have a need for that word, so I've ejected it from yeah. my vocabulary because the show Slipskin is all about uh, words being removed oh, okay. from the English Junior Dictionary, nature-related words. That's one of the three main um, themes of the show. Yeah. Uh, what words, uh, I, I guess I can ask both of you, what words uh, would we be better off if they did not exist in our day-to-day dialogue? I mean, that's, that's a big, yeah, that's a big that question. That is a big question, yeah. <laughs> what words would we be better yeah. off if they, if they didn't exist? Yeah. I've got one. We have, we have Michelle in the audience. Uh, what word uh, would you want to get rid of? Chillax. What's the problem with uh, with chillax? I think it's because I first heard of it. A landlord (laughs) used it when I complained about the cockroach issue in the in the house that I lived in previously. So it didn't start well with me when he went. Mm. You know what? I feel like you need to just chillax. Yeah, that would have got my back up. And uh, and then yeah, I kind of uh, I just don't like when words are. and not all the time. Sometimes it's great, but I don't like the squishing together of two words like yes. that. Because you're either chilled. Chilled means relaxed, and yes. relaxed means chilled. So why do you, why do they need to come together? Because chillax, just just Brexit. Yeah. yeah. Seen, oh, you, you there seen, you go. You, you seem quite tense. Yeah. <laughs> I should chillax. Oh. Yeah. No one has ever <coughs> relaxed upon being told to relax. Yeah. Yeah. That that's very true, but uh, I. Completely disagree about words being put together. Mm. I quite like playing with words, yeah. and like how you made up slip skin, mm. I quite like to make up words. And if that's merging two words together that mean different things or mean the same thing, that's fine. But if somebody told me to chillax when I'm moaning about something or stressed, mm. then it always has the complete reverse yeah. effect. Yeah, yeah. But um, and I don't particularly like the word chillax either, but. Yeah, I quite like it when w- words are meshed. Yeah. Do you have the, um, sorry, one of the other themes in Slipskin is is about borrowing words from other cultures that yeah. we don't have in the English language and, and getting this kind of wider emotional vocabulary. Um, yeah. 
and there's some obvious ones that we're familiar with like Schadenfreude and yeah. borrow that from the Germans but in, in Slipskin running concurrent with all the other themes is, is me bringing up those words as well so it's kind of interesting that we've touched we need more words yeah, not yeah. less words yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah then we get all, all well on us um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah yeah uh, double plus I'm good um, uh, I wonder if there's any sort of like a modern um, uh, example of, uh, never mind um <laughs> So you, see, you must be a beast at Scrabble. Oh, no, everyone always expects me to be really good at Scrabble, but I always try to do really long words, and the, the high value is in the short ones. Mm. I was just having this conversation with somebody very recently about that. Oh, mm. in, indeed, uh, JD, uh, again, he's getting two name checks today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was talking about exactly that concept, that actually all the, the, your, your aim is to get very short words. Uh, how about you, Yvette? Are you, are you a good Scrabble player? Um, I'm. I wouldn't say I'm bad at Scrabble. I wouldn't. I'm just pretty average. I think both uh, my parents are mean Scrabble players, yeah. and we went on holiday recently, mm. and uh, it was quite tight competition. But they just always managed to win, and we started playing Scrabble online now on our phones with oh, each yeah. other, uh, which is quite a nice way of like. It's a really having, nice way of staying in yeah, touch. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And play and Scrabble with people and not have to spend actual time with them. Exactly. I do still spend time. <laughs> with them, but yes. <laughs> There's lots going on in the tail end of June and July yes. at Carstein Theatre. We are towards the end of the month in the final days of raising our funds for getting to Edinburgh. We're taking two shows up, we've already mentioned Year of Out Summer, and we're also taking One Woman Alien. And on our crowdfunder, which you can find on our website and our Facebook presence, and by searching for crowdfunder.co.uk forward slash cast iron Edinburgh. All of those options get to us by the end of July the 1st uh, this year. <laughs> Not next year. <laughs> no, get to us next year. Get to us. We're too late. By the end of that day, and um, please, anything, £1, £2, or approximately £1,250 yep. would go a long way. But that's not the only way you can uh, raise us some money. Yeah, you can come along to the Cast Iron Fundraising Party. It's at Presuming Ed's on London Road in Brighton. It's from 7 o'clock to around 11 o'clock. And we're asking people to pay £10 on the door. Yeah. It's a very casual £10 on the door, so you know, pay as much or as, as little as you have. Yeah. Um, and just come along, support us. Um, there won't be any shaking of tins or any embarrassing no. auctions or anything. It'll just be a get-together and a little t chance to mingle and network. And if you've got £10 to spare, that would be very lovely. It would help us on our way to Edinburgh. As you say, more than anything, it's a chance to sort of catch up with friends or even network with active directors. Kind of those regular cast iron events that we have throughout the year anyway. Yeah, so on the 11th of July, yes. we'll be at the Electric Palace Fantastic. Um, in Hastings doing uh, One Woman Alien as part of our preview run before we go to Edinburgh. Yeah. And you can get tickets for that at hastingsfringe.co.uk yes. forward slash events, One Woman Alien. On the 19th of July, yes. we've got the Cast Iron Theatre podcast Fantastic. live. Back at the suite at the Welly Duke of Wellington pub. Yeah. To point out that for uh, every single Sunday at the Duke of Wellington, the suite at the Welly, we obviously still have our regular improv workshops, uh, improv dropping workshops, 7 o'clock till 9 o'clock, 
uh, regulars and terrified beginners equally welcome. It's good for sort of confidence building, good for acting exercises. Yes, yeah, so that's on Sunday the 1st, the 8th, the 15th, the 22nd and the 29th of July. Fantastic. Just Excellent. off the top of my head there. Yeah, yeah. On the 28th of July, go on. we're going to be at the Reading Fringe Festival. So we go from the Hastings Fringe to the Reading Fringe. Yeah, with One Woman Alien. One Woman Alien again. Your last chance to see One Woman Alien before we toddle on up to Edinburgh Fringe. That's going to be at Penta Hotel in Reading and it's on at 9.45 and you can get your tickets for that at readingfringefestival.co.uk. What's on? One Woman Alien. Fantastic. Yeah. So that's really what we've got coming up. Not much, is it? Not much. Not, not for cast iron. Not for cast iron. That's, that's a pretty relaxed sort of month. You know, we say this, but that genuinely is the case, isn't it? That's just, just upsetting and terrifying. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's, you can do what you love. Uh, both of you, Yvette uh, and Sammy, you both, although from different disciplines, you, you both do what are literally one-woman shows, um, and you both do storytelling. Um, how is that to create a, a show that, in theory, is somewhat isolating I mean are you able to draw on um, strength from other people or is it quite a lonely business <laughs> um, so when I made 10 steps to happiness uh, I never really felt that alone because I constantly was grabbing people and saying can you watch this and can you feedback on this and um, Thankfully, I don't live alone, so although my housemate could probably get up and do my show if I was <laughs> ill, she knows it that well and has seen it that many times, um, I would, as soon as I'd written something, I'd be like, right, listen to this, what yeah. do you think? And I'm somebody who shares and talks a lot, so I'm kind of always just grabbing people and, and trying to get feedback and discussing the show, uh, and that way I think that helps me evolve it. Um, it can be lonely when you're uh, new to it and you don't know all the answers and you're emailing venues and trying to figure out kind of I'd never produced before yeah. so it's been a massive learning curve and at times I've been like this is too much for one person to take on but um, I'm quite good at reaching out if I feel lonely so yeah. <laughs> yeah and do you feel also that because you are recently coming through the, the uh, a degree standard of a support network in the fellow students and that's quite important in terms of somebody frankly of my age where all my sort of fellow students have either died or gone into office work um, <laughs> or both at the same time uh, <laughs> that uh, that's quite a, a useful thing to sort of like just keep on to and uh, have that constantly evolving yeah I read an article um two days ago about um, students who when they finish their courses and suddenly that social network like living with other students or the kind of constant stream of social events that happen and that you're that network that you're surrounded with is suddenly gone that actually um, students can feel very lonely and that they're one of the um, biggest populations of like people that are most lonely yeah um, as much so as older um, elder generation yeah. and taking care homes and things so um, apparently that's people are suddenly starting to realise that that's a real issue and I think it's like having the rug pulled from your feet and you are suddenly like oh I'm, a, I'm an adult now and yes. these people aren't here and when you're surrounded by that all the time it's a big difference um, that sense of disconnection yeah, yeah but I'm 
yeah, like I said, I think I'm I'm somebody who who just goes out and I've still got those networks around me. I still talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, not not such a big issue, but definitely I can imagine for other young people or whoever. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. And Sammy, how is it for, for you when you're creating an hour? It's it's mixed really. Um, I am very isolated. Geographically, I'm very isolated. I live out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I'm also um, a bit of an outsider in terms of workshopping things with fellow comedians yeah. um, for various reasons. Um, partly age, I think, and kind of hazarding a guess there. Um, but equally, as much as I kind of miss that process of um, creating with other people or getting feedback and trying stuff out and yeah. maybe previewing little bits that they're because I don't I just do it to my dog yeah. <laughs> um, um, how, how is your dog as a particular <laughs> audience member he does quite a lot of sighing when <laughs> so not much different really <laughs> Um, and so I've had worse audiences. I kind of, you know, in some ways, I feel like I, I would, I would love that, you know, network. But also, I acknowledge that I probably work better alone. For me, the main thing comes down to discipline. Yeah. Because you need a tremendous amount of discipline to sit down and make yourself write four or five hours a day. And yeah. like, when I say write, I mean that might be editing, that sure. might be, you know, whatever tweaking. And and that is what I did for the last six months: four or five hours of work yeah. on the show as well as the day job, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. So to be able to kind of be that strict with yourself and have that kind of discipline, I do think sometimes that is easier when there are other people who share your um, creative path. Yeah. Um, but equally, I acknowledge that I do, you know, I stay up late, uh, really late, and smoke furiously, yeah. and <laughs> can be quite annoying when I'm in that kind of creative, quite manic phase. Yeah. So I think it would be difficult for other people to... But interestingly enough, loneliness is one of the other major themes that I touch on in yeah. Slip Skin. So it's all, it's all kind of relevant. You know, it, it's possible to really enjoy your own company a yeah. lot, but to also feel lonely. Those two aren't mutually, no. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so there's definitely both of those going on with me in the writing process. But I, I read a, an interview with a writer whose name I can't remember now. He wasn't someone I'd heard of yeah. in, I think it was The Guardian... And he was talking about, before he became a, a published writer, he used to work on the buses, he used to do double shifts. This is back in the sort of late 50s, early yeah. 60s. And he found that he was giving his best hours, his most energy-filled, bright-brained yeah. hours, working on the buses. Yeah. And when he came home in the evening, he was just too tired yes. to sit down and devote to writing. So he would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and he would do three hours' work in the morning, making the best use of his best hours, and give his employer is less than best yes. and I was really inspired by this and I thought yeah. wow I'm, I'm really massively underachieving here and then at the end of the piece it said that um, the, the interviewer asked him how many pieces he was working on at any given moment yeah. writing projects he said anything between 150 and 170 and I was like oh my god I need to back up my ideas but it was great it was yeah really was I, mean, I, kind, I kind of respond to that I kind of, I kind of get to that, get that but I wonder if that's two parts creativity and 18 parts procrastination yeah sure but if it's okay to procrastinate if you get tired of working on yeah. a bit then you can go okay I'm going to just put that on the back burner for a couple of hours and I'm going to work on this completely different thing That's definitely my defence yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. it's great isn't yeah. it we can yeah, yeah. sometimes you find though that things if you do lots of different projects at the same time lots of things begin to overlap because of your well I've found that with my work because you're interested in 
because of my interests. So there were bits that I wrote for other shows that ended up unused that I then edited, changed, flipped, and kind of rewrote for my... Because it was something I really loved. It didn't fit anywhere else, so I'd left it. And then that became a part of 10 Steps because it was good and because it fitted. So I think sometimes if you're working on lots of things, you might stop, but then if you keep it, you can use it again when it finally fits somewhere. You know. So no ideas can uh, should be deleted. They're, they're all going to be useful to you at some point, even God, yeah. five years, ten years down the line. Maybe not all ideas. <laughs> I can't say that every idea I have is good. Always worth perusing <laughs> but again, But it's definitely though. worth... It's yeah. always worth digging yeah. out the scrapbook yeah. from a decade yeah, yeah. ago yeah. and just kind of going, wow, I don't even remember writing that. How many physical scrapbooks do you have? Oh, my God. Something in the region of 100? Yeah. 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 I don't know, not that many. No, no, I probably yeah. have like ten. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got you've got time. You've got time. Um, um, I touched on a point from earlier um, about loneliness. How um, conducive is loneliness to creativity? There's the old line, uh, so old I can't remember if I said it or somebody else. Uh, <laughs> that happy people don't keep diaries, and so that idea that loneliness might actually connected boredom can actually sort of promote ideas and creativity? Mm, I don't know. I'm definitely a lot more productive. For me personally, I'm definitely a lot more productive since I've been slightly more up on the lonely scale. (laughs) I'm wondering if there's a way of measuring loneliness, if there is actually a loneliness. Maybe that can be my invention. Yes. Loneliness scale, like the Beaufort scale, but (laughs) just kind of sadder. (laughs) Potentially your next hour. (laughs) Yeah, no, I've definitely been more more productive, but that also may be part and parcel with the fact that I've also got a home now for the first time in a long time. And I've also got a a, a regular wage instead of being on sort of zero-hour contracts. Yeah. Um, and those two things have afforded me that kind of little bit of a buffer zone to yes. sit and create, which I haven't had for so long. So yeah. I might, might be confusing those issues. But yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't know. Um, maybe. Yeah. But I I wonder as well. Like, um, there's lots of retreats out there where you go and isolate yourself yes. or a team of people that are creative retreats. And I mean, is that maybe connected as well? If you're away from everything else, or you, or, or whether whether it's at home. Whatever, maybe just taking yourself away from things sure. and giving yourself time is. is you know what I think creative. also as well, and this is going to sound really hippy dippy, but that's okay. We're in Brighton. Um, <laughs> I think that the more time you do spend on your own, collaborating with yourself, you kind of leave more spaces for stuff to come to you. Like with with Slipskin. Um, I really feel that like I was gifted things that sort of came to me on the ether almost. And yeah. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I've got no other way of articulating it. I really, you know, like there were so many key moments when I was writing that show that something was, like, really felt like yeah. it was, you know, gifted, gifted to me. Yeah. And I don't know if those things, I would have let them in if I'd been, you know, in the hustle and bustle of sure. people's company and yeah. so on. I've certainly, as a writer and director, I've known that if there's been a plot point that's been confuse me at some point I've not known how to solve it I've just let it alone for a while and actually I've been saying this for a few years now and a hundred percent of the time I find after not panicking about it for a week I find that I've already written the solution to it elsewhere oh, and then okay. it's sort of going oh, oh, oh that, of course it would happen like mm. that because there's no other way that could have happened yeah. so I think yeah you're right in terms of 
if you're not constantly pursuing the solution, it will come but to do you. Do you ever do this? You guys, I've asked both of you. Do you ever, do you ever do that thing where you kind of get a cue from something exterior to your life, and um, like, and you read it as a sort of sign or a significance? Like it might be, you just tuned into a particular song on the radio, and it's made you go, ah, oh, that's. Uh, did did you get that? Most recently, you get that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm so glad I'm not. Most recently, from the answer of an entirely. <laughs> unrelated um, trophy pursuit answer yeah. <laughs> and before that uh, I was writing a ghost story and listening to a TED talk about mathematics the ghost story had nothing to do with mathematics but it gave me the yeah. oh yeah. the solution I was looking for it's, I love it it's wonderful I guess it's because part of your mind is not buffering that's the wrong term but it's constantly sort of like doing a search engine while you're not actively working yeah. looking for those solutions yeah. and then it was clicking into yeah. a thing for those people listening I'm doing a entirely unhelpful way <laughs> my finger back and forth to represent the internet <laughs> I'm quite old uh, um, so um, yes um, I don't know I think it's a beautiful way to work. I absolutely love it. I revel in it. I find it really kind of a joyous thing. Yeah. You know, like you say, when you're not thinking about it. It's like when you're working on a cryptic crossword clue and you're just absolutely, oh, I haven't got hope in hell again. Yeah. You put the newspaper down, come back to it a couple of hours later and you just fill it in. If you're like, more interested in um, the kind of like academia behind specifically what you're talking about, and like you said, yeah. leaving it and then your subconscious like working. Um, when I was at uni, I wrote, about creativity itself and how we make work and how basically different creatives work um, but there's a guy called Guy Claxton who's written loads about this and he literally says both of what you said is part of like a five step process on how creative people create work yeah. it's just really interesting so mm. that, maybe that's my book that oh, I yeah. 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 for the when you ask yes. me later Sammy <laughs> <laughs> you were saying that um, Slipskin is the um, second finale that you, you've done yes. uh, tell us a little bit about the first um, the first one was Ruth and um, that didn't really bed in until the second week of Edinburgh um, but I had nonetheless performed it at Brighton Fringe and hadn't even called it a work in progress, <laughs> which on reflection I probably should have, because as I say, it didn't really become kind of complete until the second week of Edinburgh. But again, yeah, a very, I mean, I, 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 I have to do this really um, emotionally, I have to be emotionally engaged in my shows, um, which t- might sound a bit pretentious, but they, they I can't just do a hilarious hour yeah. on jelly beans. Um, <laughs> it has to really mean something to me. Uh, so both Ruth and Slipskin have got this ridiculous kind of you know underlying message running yeah. running through them. Um, and yeah, Ruth was my first my first dab at that. It was about homelessness. <laughs> Not always what you're going to think is necessarily a hilarious hour, but when you consider that the first thing I ever wrote was a play about vivisection <laughs> and cancer. Um, and then this about uh, homelessness, my first show, Ruth, and now Slipskin, which is, it's, a, it's about the dying universe, really, so maybe I should write an hour about Jenny <laughs> Do you know what? Not to be facetious, but I'd love to see your existential angst hour about Jenny Beans. Um, the emotional connection uh, with your own work and the audience is quite important. There are moments in uh, Ten Steps that... Um, I'm assuming quite deliberately veer from hilarity to quite uncomfortable moments of um, sorrow within the same breath 
Uh, how difficult is that to pitch? Um, it kind of all came out as I was... I knew what I wanted to have in it. I knew that, obviously, if you're doing a show about happiness, life isn't happy all the time. So it doesn't make sense not to be like, oh, jokes, 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 let's all be happy for an hour, because that's not, that's not real life. No. Um, a lot of real life, I, for me, so far, has been quite a lot of sadness rather than happiness. So that's where the idea to write a show about happiness came from. So I had to talk about that and address that, otherwise it's not... It's just, yeah... yeah pointless um but obviously if you take kind of like what you were saying about Stipskin, if you take the audience to a point where you're like oh this is really sad or this hurts um then you need to bring them back and be able to lift them back up again and make them laugh afterwards because they the audience need a breath as well yeah so um and that's all in the stitching it together in the dramaturgy of it just going right this is how it needs to flow and people need to laugh yeah. now I, I wanted to ask also, um, I was going to use the phrase in the current social climate, but since the current social climate seems to be going on for the last fucking 40 years, <laughs> um, there's a sense of how do we present shows that are one woman shows, and how often do we announce that as a, you know, being a thing? Can it be irrelevant, or is it part of the parcel? And do you, as a performance yourselves, find there's a different reaction that you, you might get that a very similar show that was presented by a guy may not get, or vice versa? Well, by virtue of being a stand-up comedian, I mean, you are a one-person show anyway, regardless of gender, but if we're going to talk about gender, um, then I think there's a huge difference, a ma massive difference, um, between a woman getting up and, and doing stuff compared to a man. I mean, I've been doing stand-up for 10 years, and I can, I, can, I can see that there are enormous differences. And I don't really know at what point you have to just kind of throw your hands up and go, it is what it is, or keep kind of pushing. And I think we're at a very interesting time in regards to that. Um, for me, doing something like Slipskin, it was uh, one thing I did notice. I mean, I actually only did five performances because I was doing it every Saturday yeah. at Fringe, so I've only done five. But I did notice that because you're allowed to indulge yourself a little bit more with something like a fringe show you're allowed to go to places that you wouldn't be able to in a club circuit situation like if I got up on stage and did 75 choosing from 75% of the show yeah. if I did any of that material in a club I mean it would just die on its ass yeah. you know I get booed off stage so the beauty of being able to do a fringe show is that it none of that stuff matters but in a club environment you you know you have you have to decide whether you want to survive the gig or whether you want to be niche and find your crowd eventually yeah. and that may that may never happen I, might, I turned 48 in October and the reason that I've brought up my age is that I've really noticed because I've been doing stand-up for 10 years um, in the last year I've talked about my age on stage I, I, I come out as yeah. being the age that I am and, I, and I've noticed that that is having its own reaction uh, and about how do you feel do you feel that um, because your if, if I'm correct your sort of uh, way in is less stand up derived and more uh, pure storytelling um, does that have a factor or is your gender a factor in the way that audiences respond to your show? 
that you're aware of? Um, I mean, definitely in the way the audiences respond, because it's about my life, and I am a woman, so there is no escaping sure. that. So, uh, in that respect, you are watching a show about a woman's experience of trying to be happy in our world today. Yeah. Um, I came from a place and started making the show because the specialist discipline that I did for my final year at uni was solo devising and the groups, some of the groups that I'm involved in Facebook, some of the books that I use don't say one woman and one man show how to make theatre, it's solo devising books and solo this and solo that so and I uh, growing up in Brighton and the kind of bubble that we live in here very much prefer to use gender neutral terms and if you say one woman or one man that that immediately is like a gender term so when I pitch the show um, I don't say oh yes it's a one woman I just say solo show Um, and because maybe one woman is triggering for some people subconsciously solo obviously it's still me but you know I'm not saying it's a one woman piece Um, yeah so I guess uh, there's a sense then, perhaps positively, that it's not been particularly uh, an issue or an obstacle in terms of, at least for the 10 steps. Well, maybe, you know, I felt um, less comfortable flyering to um, guys. Yeah. Uh, but that's my own, you know, issues. <laughs> it's not necessarily, you know, guys that I've spoken to. But when I go up to I'm like, this is about, you know, being a woman and growing up in our world today. Uh, and they're like, oh yeah, you know, you know, sure. they can relate instantly with that. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, some of my pitches became, you know, if you have a mother, a sister, <laughs> a daughter, you know, this is, you know, it's. Yeah. I had one guy say something like, uh, "You look worth it," you know, on the about my because I looked, or he said, "You look better there." I had from someone. <laughs> oh, good. And it's just like you know, so <laughs> of course it. it it does. It does make a difference because I am a woman, and women still get these kind of comments. Yeah. Um, etc. Etc. It's going to be your first uh, Edinburgh Fringe this year. Uh, yeah. Sammy, you have done Edinburgh before. Um, what flowering advice <laughs> could you give our friends? I do this. I do this ridiculous thing when I'm flowering. It's not premeditated. It just happens. Um, getting back to our conversation about the Irish at the start. Yeah. This, um, I do this Irish voice when I'm flying. It's like a coping mechanism. Yeah. I find it quite hard flying, you know, hard, harder than standing up on stage and yeah. making jokes. And I, 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 once upon a time I did it, and then it's it has yeah. stuck. So I do this. I flyer in an Irish accent, and, and a slightly different persona. Yeah. And they never notice when they come to the show. They go, "Oh, you're not Irish." They don't ever say that. I was going to say they never never vocalised it. Of course not, because they just think they were mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I do that, and it's great actually. If you go, if you start flying, because as it's a not character. you flying. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it makes it much easier. Yeah. Um, but it's also ridiculous. <laughs> Fair enough. Um... 
There are lots of ways to support Cast Iron Theatre. Let us count the ways. And you can share, like, follow. Go to castironbrighton.weebly.com to see all the ways in which you can follow and share and find us on the social. Yeah. Um, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. We're on the YouTube a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, we're on everything. Oh, I like being on everything. Yeah. We're on we're on the important ones. Yes. Yes. You can also support us on uh, Patreon. Yes, you can. Yeah. So how does that work? You type in Patreon yeah. into a search engine of your choosing and look for Cast Iron Theatre. You will find us. The way it works yeah. is it's a bit like crowdfunding. But you, you can support us for a regular amount per month. Yeah. Um, help us put this podcast together. Help us get some fabulous new equipment that we desperately need. Yeah. Help us um, to just produce the work that you seem to enjoy and we like a lot too. Um, uh, you can do one-off payments as well. You can do monthly payments. Do have a look at the website, Patreon and Cast Iron Theatre. Yeah. If you want to get in touch, we're looking for people to rate and review us yeah. on iTunes. Do send us a review. It'd be yeah. nice to know what you think. Yeah. It'd be really nice to know if it was a five star. I think we should end it there and get yeah. back to the podcast. Yeah. Should we go back to Sammy? We shall. Yes, please, thank you. Um, I just want to go back to when you were talking about slipskin and, and the words thing. And you said, I think there should be more words in the dictionary, mm. and I agree. Mm. And you said that you were talking about in your show that words have been taken out of the dictionary. Yeah. I didn't know that this was a thing. Mm. I didn't know words were taken out of the dictionary. Yeah. Surely if it's a word, it's a word. It's the Oxford Junior Dictionary, just to be very specific, okay. um, which is used in schools. And the words, that, there's a huge long list of words that have been removed. And the ones that I focus on in the show are the nature-related ones, like conquer, buttercup, fern, catkin, loads of trees, um, loads of birds. And they've replaced them with words like chatter and broadband, mp3, cut and paste, and so on. And obviously I talk about that and make loads of jokes about it in the show. But um, And I, I, in the interest of sort of uh, full disclosure, there are other words that aren't nature-related, like there's some sovereignty words that have been taken out, like monarch and things, and there's some religious words like chapel and disciple and stuff like that as well, but those didn't sort of interest me quite so much. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's shocking. I mean, it's not it's not brand-new news. Um, they did this the last time they published, which I think was 2008, and there was a little bit of outcry from generally literary types, Margaret Atwood being one of them, and a, a chap called Robert McFarlane actually created a beautiful book um, celebrating these lost species, these lost words. So it, that, that topic itself wasn't a brand spanking new idea, but I made my own discoveries whilst researching it. Made some discoveries about words being removed that nobody had spotted yet necessarily, which were actually really alarming, which I won't go into because it's kind of the crux of yeah. my show and would be a spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. There's a modern term. Yeah, there is. Spoiler alert. Um, we do have that in terms of the language being constantly changing, and uh, some people, uh, I don't think anybody here, but some people have voiced confusion when you said referring earlier that um, the fact that your show is called a one woman show and that might be even subconsciously mildly triggering to people and some people have voiced uh, confusion 
that they can't use, uh, they feel they cannot use gender-neutral terms, they can't use the word they or whatever, um, but we, we all cope with using the word spoiler or swiping or texting. Um, and I had a really elegant question <laughs> at the end of all that set-up, set which has now escaped <laughs> my I'm head. Really sorry. <laughs> no, that's all good. No, it was, it was, it was lovely. It was concise. It was uh, the most incisive question of the hour. But it's an interesting <laughs> time to be navigating language. And, you know, you do have to find... You find yourself stopping several times during the day and having to check what you're, what you're saying. Yeah. And it, it's, it, yeah, it's an interesting time to be alive, you know, having to, having to work work out what your own uh, unconscious prejudices are because yeah. language is so important you know most social engineering starts with the engineering of language in fact yeah I so think that's what people get upset about and I think people don't want to feel that worry or that guilt if they say the wrong things and get frustrated oh why can't we just keep, keep things away because they don't want to go through that process yeah. which is kind of tiring take but I I'm curious about it and I think it's important and I think, you know, I surround myself with a lot of people who agree. So it's really difficult when you come up against somebody who's, sure. you know. I like the uh, Douglas Adams idea of uh, anything that exists when you are 20, so is natural and the way of the world. Mm-hmm. Anything that um, comes into being between the age of the 20 and 40 is new and exciting and sexy. Anything that is new after the age of 60 or 50 is terrifying and not, must never be trusted. Um, <laughs> I think that's probably a good sort of barrier for how we respond to new ideas and new concepts. Um, what I did want to ask you is, um, as we all often ask people uh, in each hour, um, are there any sort of uh, books or other podcasts or, or films or TV programs or uh, anything out of stand-ups or, or storytellers that you are enjoying at the moment and you'd want to give a shout-out to? Uh, I should acknowledge that I haven't um, prepped Sammy for this at all, so I'm, I'm going to go over her head for a moment and go directly to, to you, Yvette, um, because although I didn't remind you about this, you have been here before. Um, <laughs> is, yeah, is there anything you enjoy at the moment? Um, well, I was talking about Guy Claxton's yes. theory of creativity earlier, and if you want, it's not actually that heavy reading, it no. sounds like, oh, the theory of creativity, but that's really interesting if you want to just reaffirm your process or yes. learn about, yeah, so so that, because yeah. that came up in today's conversation, and I'm interested in that, so yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Oh, I'm just so childish, I'm really enjoying, um, I'm loving Randy Rainbow. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. He's my absolute fave at the moment. I love, I love him. I can't get enough of him. Um, and I'm revisiting Moments of Reprieve for the fourth or fifth time, um, which is a primo levy book. Yeah. Um, but I haven't got any local references, I'm afraid. That's right, that's right. Uh, we often also ask people um, if there's an idea that they came up with or an invention they came up with uh, maybe at an earlier stage in their life that they didn't actually go to the drawing board with and uh, somebody else has got to the idea before uh, they have. I mean, um, Yvette, you've kind of answered variations of this question before, but did you invent the Avengers or...? No, <laughs> no I, I, um, I invented Deliveroo. Oh, okay. But before, it, I, I mean, I, I didn't call it Deliveroo, no. that's not my company. But <laughs> we I did should say, like, wouldn't that. it be great if you could just get your meals delivered to you just like takeaway is, yeah. but from your favourite restaurants? Yes. And then, you know, about a year and a half later, Deliveroo. Yeah, I don't understand the business model out of that at all. If you're not paying that much more for the meal, who gets the money? 
Well, I mean, I think you are. I think you're paying a bit more. Oh, okay. I don't know how much. I think it's probably like one or two pounds on top. Okay. Of, maybe. Yeah. And then you obviously pay like the delivery fee. Yes. All right. Yeah. But honestly, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, know. I mean, I'll be honest. I've not done much research into the concept, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I've ordered from there a few times. Yeah. Resentfully. <laughs> Do you want that meal? Yeah. <laughs> I should get it delivered free because I came up with the idea two and a half years ago. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, I've got nothing on inventions, no. really. No, I do think that I should or someone should invent the non-smoking break. For all uh, absolutely, yeah. yes. Employees in buildings who, who miss out on a smoke break because oh, they don't smoke. I'm, I'm a smoker, by the yeah, way. Yeah, so I got I'm very resentful. Unnaturally. I had a colleague who um, genuinely, quite genuinely could sink about three hours plus per day on a smoke break into various smoke breaks yeah. and I've and what is it with these addicts getting well, all yeah. this time off <laughs> I, I'm an addict but nobody gives me a cola bottle a fizzy cola bottle break <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, yeah. that's what it no that's genuinely be. what before I smoked when uh, I won't say what company it was for when I, when I worked for a company in yeah. Churchill Square um the guys that I was working with constantly going on cigarette yeah. breaks, probably about three hours as well, I'd yeah. say. And it got to the point where I was fed up, so I was like, I'm going to go for a cigarette. And they were yeah. like, oh, you smoke? And I'm like, yeah. And I'd go out and I'd get a can of Coke or some water and yes. I'd just go and sit outside for five minutes, have a drink, have a breather, and then come back in. Because yeah. I thought, why, why are they, Absolutely. you know... I wouldn't go out as often as them because no. I would really need the toilet the whole time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, smokers will go out in all weathers. I mean, they will yeah. go and stand out in the freezing cold. They'll stand there shaking and like pretending that they're enjoying their cigarette. I'm one of them, by the way. I'll just say that again. Um, whereas you wouldn't do something so crazy. <laughs> the other thing that always concerned me about, um, I guess, the anti-smoking adverts would uh, be about every January for a good few years. There'd be an advert that came out: if you gave up smoking today, if you gave up smoking today, by the end of the year, you could say you could save yourself one and a half thousand pounds. Think of that. Think of that. If you gave up smoking today on January first, you could save yourself up to one thousand five hundred pounds. And I'd be thinking, I have never smoked. Where's my thirty eight thousand pounds? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm bitter about that too. <laughs> oh I know where all my money's gone, it's gone all frizzy colour bottles. <laughs> um, and the other thing that would which does go back to local uh, uh, local locales, local locations, um, is are there places that you hang out that you might sort of you might be doing your eighth draft? Um, that uh, local coffee house. Oh, I, don't want, I don't want to encourage stalkers or anybody. Uh, but are there places that you hang out that you sort of enjoy that you um, uh, love about Brighton that you might sort of have a meal or have a coffee? I certainly do, uh, but that was also the venue where I did my show, so it's just going to sound like a kind of you know never-ending promotional. Um, but the Junkyard Dogs Cafe yeah. is just such a fantastically supportive and creative environment. Yeah, it's a lovely space. Yeah, and the girls that run it are just they you know they take supporting artists to a whole other level really, and so yeah, you can go and hang out there for hours yeah. and still only you know buy a couple of coffees. Yeah. They do do food and and all the rest of it. They've got some vegan choices as well, but it's a great place to hang out. Um, and I've got some other favourite spots, but because I, I don't technically live in Brighton anymore, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm sort of out towards Lewis a bit more, yeah. so I do quite a lot of mooching around there. What, what about you? Um, I have done some writing down on the level before. Um, but uh, I went for a meal a couple of nights ago at the Craft, I think it's called the Craft Beer Company, just by Churchill Square. Yeah. And uh, they've just changed their chef, so I'm giving them a little shout out because yeah. 
it's Spanish food and I love Spanish mm. food and I had this like meat and cheese board which I thought well me and my friend said we'd share and then we'd get a main but yes. oh my god we, we couldn't eat any more food it was huge and really delicious excellent um, so if you like Spanish food I would fantastic yeah. um, on the subject of shout outs you both have um, a show that's come up in the next couple of months uh, so I'd like you to give you the opportunity to give a shout out for those uh, Yvette where are we going to see you next um, so next will be Edinburgh at the Sweet Novotel, 2nd to the 19th at 7.20. Fantastic, excellent. And that's 10 steps to happiness. 10 steps to happiness. Yes. come along. Yeah. And, yeah. Come along. Um, that's great. And Sammy, you? I've got um, a date coming up next week. I'm doing uh, June the 14th at the Hastings Comedy Fringe, doing yeah. slip skin quite late at night. I'm quite sure how that's going to feel doing it late at night. Yeah. It's not really a late at night show, but we'll see how we get on. Yeah. Uh, 10 pm at the Palace. And then I'm doing a very short stint in Edinburgh towards the end of the month at yeah. the Counting House. Excellent. Uh, which is uh, one of the venues on the, fest- uh, free, the free French. The Free Festival. Yes. As opposed to the Free French. Yes, because there are two. Well, at some point, we've got seven different ones. Uh, but there is, right now, there's two different festivals that have the word free in them yes <laughs> and that, and that, is, that is genuinely quite important isn't it because they are different festivals uh, we hope we've made that clear um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, should, I should actually acknowledge that um, Cast Idea also had two shows coming up for the uh, Edinburgh Fringe we have a year about summer which is uh, in part at least a story about the creation of Frankenstein by Mary Shelley published um, Mary Shelley wasn't published two years well <laughs> yes actually Mary Shelley was published 200 years ago with her work Frankenstein and that's a year about summer uh, throughout the entire Fringe and also on the same dates is uh, One Woman Alien we did put the words One Woman into our show Uh, One Woman Alien the movie Alien told in one hour by one woman uh, with all the special effects and uh, characters Uh, (laughs) I should also uh, point out that we are doing uh, One Woman Alien at the Hastings Fringe and at the Reading Fringe and so if you are in a different part of the country where you can't come to see Edinburgh or you can't come to see us in Brighton we are going to be a fringe near you (laughs) unless we're not Um, so uh, this has been the cast Iron Theatre podcast Uh, I I say with my co-host but I've kind of taken over and asked you lots of questions I apologise for that I haven't quite learned how to share my toys yet (laughs) I Um, still had fun good so uh, have have you had fun Yep, I've had fun. <laughs> I have had fun. You yes. have had fun. Yeah, Good. Thanks. Big lovely thank you uh, and gratitude to our guest tonight, Sammy Stone. This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Presented by Andrew Allen. And edited by Michelle Donkin. Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and our website, castironbrighton.weebly.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening.